Hey everybody, welcome to the first episode of Unbroken. I'm your host, Kevin, and this is Lindy. Hi. And uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, We are talking about living with you. (laughs) Really. Or living with somebody who has bipolar. Yes. It was really interesting because I was trying to figure out how to... Like, to upload something interesting to YouTube, or not YouTube, but to Instagram. And I was thinking, like, oh, what could I do that's kind of funny, but represents how I feel today? And this was yesterday. And I was, like, uh, living with somebody who has challenges with bipolar is like playing a game of whack-a-mole. And I don't ever know if I'm the whack or the mole. So Yeah, you never know where I'm coming from. Yeah. Or where I'm going, really. Yeah. That's kind of it. So... so- are you more talking about like my bipolar highs and lows? I think just in general. I think there's just like there's a gamut of things that happen, right? Um, and for you, yes, there's the highs and the lows, more lows than like manic highs. Um, there's also at times some like rapid cycling through either of the highs or the lows, mostly the lows for you. But then there's also these other little bits and pieces where it's some I don't know I don't know how how you like um explain it yourself but like maybe paranoia or some like delusions but I don't, it's not like at least i don't think it is like delusions and where you're like seeing things or hearing voices really right it's more like you just think certain things are happening that maybe aren't in that context happening yeah it's my schizo effective right so that just adds ne- like another interesting layer to all of it so i don't know i mean maybe we start from the beginning right when you um people that are listening to our let's not force it like series we'll start to understand that we were together for about five years on and off um we had a child and then we separated for about 10 years and about three and a half years ago you came back to live with us and when we were first together i didn't understand mental health at all i didn't even know that you were diagnosed with any sort of diagnoses um I knew that when you were in rehab, you took some medication, but that was it. Like, that was the extent of what I knew. Um, while we were apart, I started working in mental health and thought that I knew a lot about it. So I knowingly accepted you back in, knowing that you had these challenges. And I thought, oh, yeah, bipolar, like, all over it. Totally can handle that. It's been a journey, love. It has been a journey. Yeah, it has. Yeah. I mean, I've learned a lot, you know, about about bipolar and and my mental challenges but i know you've learned a lot more than me and being patient tolerant and understanding or not always patient tolerant and understanding is probably where i've learned the most yeah um i think like we talk about recognizing like your highs and lows i think that i just through our conversations like i see them coming more than you do or recognize that you're in it quicker than you'll recognize that you're in it um, which I think brings on its own set of challenges because for like three days before you are in a place of acceptance of like, oh, I'm not doing well. I, for three days have been harping on you about, hey, you're in this bad place or something's coming. And now I think it's kind of become more of a joke where I'm like, mm, catch me in three days because I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me you don't feel well. Uh, I don't know. What's your perspective on that? Well, I'm going to talk about it in my series. Um, but when, when I'm in those highs and lows, and you can recognize it, I'm still in denial. Like, I don't want to know that I'm in it because I just want to be normal. So, you know, if you call me out on it, I'm just going to deny it. No, no, I'm not going through a bad phase. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. 
because that's my number one saying is I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, but what do we know that fine stands for, Kevin? Fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Yeah. So every time he's like, oh, I'm fine. I'm like, really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Sure you are. Not fine. Not fine. <laughs> not not even close to being fine. I don't know. I think there, it's been a special, uh, I don't know if special is the right word. It's It has taken consistent, just consistency. I think in us figuring out how it's best for me to approach you and how it's best for me to talk to you and vice versa, right? Because I think part part of this unbroken series or podcast or what you will from like my perspective of living with somebody who deals with bipolar um, is that I also have a threshold for dealing with it. So my kind of saying is I can do good for about two or three days when you're experiencing the lows, but after day three, like I've hit, I've hit all that I can give you. And I start to get very short and frustrated. And I think before I couldn't recognize that within myself. I also didn't recognize what was going on with you and you weren't at a place to be able to say, like, this is what's happening with me. So it was fighting, a lot of fighting and not just like yelling from across the room, but door slamming, people being asked to leave, doors getting locked, people asking for blankets on the back porch because they're not coming back in the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, what do we call that? Like steak and potatoes fight? Like the yeah. major. Yeah. We had three levels of fights. Yeah. Peanut butter and jelly. Yeah. Small little fights. Mac and cheese. Those are your medium fights. Uh, yeah. Things get thrown. Do things get thrown in a medium fight? Uh, maybe not. In the steak and potato fights, they do. Yeah. Steak and potatoes is when we graduate to, and not even graduate, like we, we uh, downgrade to plastic forks and knives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're definitely steak and potato fights for sure. And it wasn't cool. Like, it took a lot of energy away from me, from you. We also have a child who, thank goodness, wasn't around for those really big things that we were pretty good at recognizing they were coming and being able to shift her around to places that where she wasn't going to be around it or involved in it. But, yeah, it, it wasn't good. Moving forward, like, three years later, we have done a tremendous amount of work. And a lot of that is debriefing after there's a situation, after you come out of one of your lows, really. And maybe it's also, like, important to note that from my perspective yet again, it's like you experience a lot of lows, not necessarily the manic highs. Yeah, definitely more lows than highs, but the manic highs do come into play here and there. Yeah. But they're recognizable. And they don't look the same as they used to by any means. Like, the highs are super manageable, and they're, those aren't something that exhausts me. I think it's it's the lows, and it's the lows because you're experiencing depression, right? Yeah. And depression looks different for everyone. But for you, like maybe just kind of give everybody a synopsis of what that looks like for you, the depression. Depression lows. Really nasty to myself in my head. Everything is awful. Everybody is awful to me. Poor me. I start thinking negatively and going down this dark rabbit hole and I stop eating as much. I stop talking to people. I, I don't want to be around people. I just want to sleep. I just want to yeah. sleep everywhere. Yeah. So how that translates in my life is I pick up the pieces, right? You're not as capable as you were when you're not going through that. So for example, if your normal day-to-day -day is to do the laundry and fold the clothes, when you're experiencing these lows, that kind of goes by the wayside because when you're in the low, it's what like it's all you can do to make sure you're getting up and going to work, putting your energy into the kids putting your energy into me and sometimes that doesn't even happen because it's like survive you're on survival mode and so then I pick up the pieces and of course it's fine right because it's 
won this commitment that I've made to be able to support you just as you support me when I go through stuff. Um, but about day three of that, of, of negativity, which is hard for me because I'm generally a pretty bubbly person, the negativity wears me down. And then just the extra kind of like duties throughout the day is added. I don't know if it's pressure, like pressure or stress necessarily, but it's just an additional task to make sure is completed. Yeah, day three, I'm like on your ass. Like, suck it up, buttercup. We got got shit to do, which probably isn't always helpful. Yeah. But you know what? I think the best part is is the debriefing. Uh, You know, giving me a safe place to talk about it when I'm comfortable enough and I'm there. And you knowing where I'm at and not just guessing and you giving me that place to talk helps tremendously. When I think that's been the biggest part of our success with all this and probably the biggest thing that we've learned is that we need to be able to figure out what worked well and what didn't work well and how to switch that out. So I now know, like, when you're going through it, I think, like, today, I think it was today, but you let me know that you just weren't in a great place, like, not to expect hugs and love and whatever when I got home from work or whatever it was that I was doing. And when I know that, when I know what the reason is and it doesn't feel like I'm just being, like, cast to the side, it seems a lot, it feels a lot easier to go, okay, he's just not in that place right now. Yeah. And that's fine. It was like communication is definitely key. And before, I didn't feel comfortable enough to tell you things like that. So I would just hold that in. And then when you were trying to, you know, show some love and affection and I didn't give it to you, you didn't know because I didn't tell you. So you just assumed that I didn't love you at that time or I didn't like you. Like, And then that would internalize. Right. Internalize. And that would cause a fight. And then I'm in no mood for a fight when I'm in a manic low. Like, that's not when I want to be into a fight. No. So, I mean, some of these things that were implemented are are crucial into yeah. me getting through this and you surviving through it. It's like we have like a, we have like a crisis or a safety plan that's very fluid that we're always trying to uh, move around and, and make sure it's the best that it can be. For us and in our relationship I think oh absolutely what are some other things that you think are beneficial for dealing with me in a manic state in a manic state when you say manic I mean like you... a manic low for you and me coexisting and getting through one of my manic lows really it's it's the communication and I very much receive love in a very physical form uh, is kind of my love language I'd say for the most part. And so there's things that I think I've had to express to you that you do. You try to force yourself to do even when you're in that low, which is in the morning, like I need a hug. It sounds so simple and probably freaking ridiculous, but that is just like, that is like signaling that like we're good. Right. And you do a really good job of that now. It took a while for us to get there. And I think for me to be able to express to you why I need that, I don't think I was always good at that. Um, but also for you to muster up the energy to be able to to do that for me. Um, I think the other things that that work for us are the check-ins Yeah. throughout the day. Because, and I think, I assume that this is kind of what it is with bipolar. Like, things come, come in and they go very quickly. So you could leave the house in a really great mood. And then by noon, you're calling me, telling me that you feel really fucked up. Yeah, it, and it works like that. Yeah, and then you could be home and be fine. But if I, if you don't, clue me in on what's happening like I might catch you in a bad moment and you may be short with me and I'll be like why doesn't he want to talk to me what did I do what's going on 
and I used to very much internalize a lot of it so I was like what am I doing wrong why am I not doing this right when really that wasn't necessarily the case it was just you were going through your own shit and I think that's huge for relationships when somebody has bipolar um being honest you know letting your significant other know where you're at because if they don't know they don't know right right? they don't know how to prepare they don't know how to help you and for me it took me a long time to learn that until you know just recently working with you um I I didn't want to I didn't want to let anybody know about my weaknesses I didn't want to feel weak I didn't want you to know how down I was I wanted to be a man I wanted to be strong and ultimately I was doing more damage to myself and to you Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And I think other things that that are helpful, like for for me personally, is um, my faith, like my belief in God, and and my ability to I don't know how to say this to know that everything's happening for a reason, right? Like I think that, and that, I guess that just is faith in general, right? So I really take like we got married over the summer. Wedding vows are important, right? But even prior to that. Like, I felt that I made a, com- a commitment to you and to our family and to our daughter when you first came here that no matter what, I'm knowingly allowing you into our lives, knowing that you have stuff, right? That there's baggage, for lack of a better word. And I mean, who doesn't have baggage? I have a ton of it, too. But in this sense, with the mental health, and I'll be damned if I give up on that, right? So, like, that never was an option. I think for some people, it's like, oh, it's too much. I don't want to work through this. They're never going to be able to change. And I I just don't think that that's the reality of it. You know, I watch a lot of, um, belong to a lot of support groups on Facebook, and a lot of it's so negative. And is anybody's spouse like this? And why are they always cheating? And why are they always acting a fool? And yada, yada, yada. And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that, right? But you also made the conscious decision to want to change the negative behaviors and so i guess it takes two right yeah (laughs) no it definitely does and i think the other the other factor that i've dealt with a lot is the isolation it's hard it's hard to stay in this um space where where you're not feeling well and you're not and you're like not able to see things in a happy light like where you're very negative right and it's challenging because it's not like I can just call my friends and be like oh my gosh he's experiencing this low first of all really nobody understands what that is and if they say they understand it unless they're living in it they don't fucking understand what that is it's like a challenge that I really don't even know how to put into words but it is extremely isolating and even with our family who by the way are very supportive of the both of us and of of the mental health challenges extremely supportive and maybe it has to do with our past as well the fear of using again the fear of drinking again the fear of relapse the fear of everything but i can't i personally don't feel that i have a lot of people to go talk to which is part of the reason we're doing this podcast right right i think it's therapeutic for both of us to to be able to talk about things but also to share with people who feel maybe the same way that we do yeah no absolutely no, th- this was definitely needed for us, and, and the fact that this could help others is a bonus. Yeah. Do you feel any isolation within our relationship where it comes to the mental health piece? No, just the isolation that I set for myself. You know, sure. when I'm when I'm not feeling good and I'm in a manic low, I don't want to be around anybody. And it's not just because people are irritating to me. It's, it's that I don't – I feel like I – take that feeling that I have and I put it on others. So if others are happy around me, I'm like, oh my God, I'm just going to bring these people down. 
Hmm. You know, and sometimes it, it does, you know, like, oh, my God, this is too happy for me. Like, I just need to separate myself. But I've learned that isolation does nothing but prolong my manic low. And that that's something to point out. Right. And I know that you're going to find this really extremely annoying, but I do fancy myself somebody who can kind of read people a little bit, particularly somebody that I've known for 15 years, that somebody is you. When you are in a low, there are times where I can see you kind of popping out of it. And you pop out of it, and then you're, like, pissed off that you're popping out of it. So you go back in, and it's like a turtle shell, right? You're, like, your head kind of pops out, and then you go back in your shell. And I will kind of catch that, and I'll want to joke with you and make things light. And you'll forget that you're pissed off and low for a minute, and you'll laugh with me. And then, like, as soon as you realize it, you'll creep back in that shell. And you tell me that it's because your brain can't be there yet. Like, you can't be happy, and then you get, like, a whole thing happens in your head about it. Yeah. And while I understand that, I still get frustrated because I'm like, oh, he's almost there. He's almost there. Like, let me keep pulling him out and pulling him out of it. And sometimes it does work. I think other times you would probably rather that I just leave you the hell alone. But yeah, I don't know. No, I, I know what you mean. And, for example, I'm, I'm just coming out of a, a manic low. Yeah. Like, about today. Right. Right? And um, I started... What did I try to do with you last night? Started joking around. I tried to dance with you in the kitchen. Yeah. And you went with it for a minute. And then I got really pissed off. And then you were like, I'm done with it. I'm yeah. done with because, it. Well, it's true because I wasn't there yet. Like, I wasn't right. fully out of it. And, like, it just bothered me. It, it just bothers me. Like, I'm not supposed to be laughing right now. I'm not supposed <laughs> to be dancing. And I know it sounds so stupid, but when you're in a manic low, like, if you're in a manic low, you understand what I'm talking about. Like, I'm not mentally there yet. Like, I might be close, but I'm not there. And my brain just shuts it down. It's like, I cannot, I cannot be there. And I don't think that's something that I will, I mean, I will never be able to understand that. Right. And I think that's, that's just part of our dynamic is that there's many things that you can try to explain to me to the best of your ability. And I'm never fully going to be able to understand. And I just have to take it at face value. But that doesn't mean that I will ever stop trying to make it better for you. Because really at the end of the day, it's excruciating watching somebody that you love and care about suffer and that's what bipolar does right it causes suffering so anything i think that we can do any tips or tricks as i call it that we can share with other people to minimize some of that pain and suffering is worth it yeah absolutely well i think that wraps up our first episode of unbroken i think so that was fun thank you yeah what are you going to talk about in the next episode i don't know i think jumping off of our last uh let's not force it episode we should go into some maybe codependency. Uh, I like it. All right, guys. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye, guys.